Hello everyone, my name is Christian. Welcome back to Tech Point today. Our guest is Venki, the founder at Indusface. Hello. Hi, Christian. Uh, good to be here. Nice to meet you. Please tell us what your company does. Yeah, so uh, we are in the business of uh, protecting applications, uh, web applications in APIs. Uh, central to any business today, uh, doesn't have to be a tech business, any business today, uh, they are powered by applications, especially with their digitization drive. Um, and as part of that, uh, speed is of essence for their very survival. If It's no longer just uh, how big you are, it's how fast you are. So speed is about uh, needed for survival and digitization has given it a rocket fuel. And post-COVID, uh, it has become a must-have part of any business strategy as part of that. And what is powering those digitization is applications. And with those speed comes risk. That risk is security risks, right? So we take that pain away from businesses saying that while you go ahead and do uh, launch new services, new application, go ahead on your digitization journey, we will ensure that yep. your applications and your APIs are protected by giving you visibility of the risks, by ensuring those risks okay. are protected instantly and monitor it on a continuous basis. So our vision is to enable businesses to go digital fearlessly. And our mission is to do enable them to do that by protecting their applications and making it extremely easy for them to do so. That's great. Thank you. Thank you for explaining. What are the main products that you offer? Uh, our platform, application security platform is uh, AppTrana. Uh, and it's possible for customers to slice and dice and... Uh, uh, we uh, uh, buy certain aspects of it, but the whole platform, the app Trana platform, where app is applications and Trana is basically a, uh, means defense. And so it's uh, Trana is in Sanskrit, is, it means defense. Uh, okay, okay. So in this platform, if you look at the entire ecosystem of an application, the number one problem is they need to have an understanding and discovery of applications. What are my public facing assets? So we start with discovery. So we provide a discovery of all the public facing applications that exist. Then what are the risks against those public facing applications? So we provide scanning, web application scanning, uh, on demand, uh, uh, unlimited number of scans that they can provide. And then once the risk visibility is provided, then we provide protection uh, through our web application and API protection platform. And then finally, it's not a point in time configuration that you set it up and forget. We provide continuous management and monitoring to make sure the cycle of discovery, uh, risk visibility, risk protection, and then updates continues on, con goes on a continuous basis. So it starts with discovery, scanning, protection, which is our web application firewall, and monitoring. All of them bundled together. Of course, the customer can come back to us and say that I just want scanning and risk, uh, risk discovery and risk scanning to begin with. Um, so, but when they come and get the protection from us, we automatically include the other two with that. So AppTrana, the platform, and within the AppTrana, there is a small car.p piece that they can start out with, which is the web application scanning. That makes total sense. Thank you for, uh, thank you for sharing. What did you say are the top three most loved feature? Most top three most loved feature? Yeah. So the number one feature yes. in our platform is, uh, combining discovery risk uh, assessment and protection in real time. Because in the current ecosystem, what happens is somebody is going and doing an automated scanning. 
somebody else is doing a manual penetration testing somebody else is thrown in a box and says that here are the policies you configure and you manage it and then the customer has to manage all of this on their own so the number one feature they like mm -hmm. is we piece together all the relevant components of an application security ecosystem and put them under one umbrella and included management on top of it so the comprehensiveness and the integration is the number one feature the number two feature which uh, our customers just love us for that is we don't just throw in ai ml buzzwords right we have a very focused <laughs> uh, use case specific uh, behavioral learning capabilities that we provided especially focused on ddos so instead of just saying ai and ml we go and tell the customers that we understand your application's behavior and then based on this behavior we'll come up with a recommendation engine on what the policy has to be and then we back it up with management to do it so i think a use case centric approach and ai ml being the underlying power of providing that use case simplicity is what they love as opposed to just having those buzzwords uh, on top of it and the yes. number 3 across our product line that they love because security is no longer uh, you know there's no silver bullet for it it's level 24 by 7 support <laughs> Uh, so we back our products with 24 yep. by 7 support and management that they love. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. And please tell us your most common industries and use cases that you see with your customers. Yeah. So uh, no prices were guessing that in terms of uh, the maturity level and the pressing need in this space, the number one is financial sector, right? So our biggest seg uh, segment in the enterprise space. Uh, and then uh, enterprise segment where we go is uh, bfsi uh, banking finance um, and what i'm seeing in this space i'm seeing also significant growth in the fintech companies who are trying to come up with a new lending platform or a new credit uh, rating platform um, or existing traditional banks that are embracing digitization to stay one step ahead right so bfsi is my number yes. one vertical my number two vertical is actually saas other product companies who themselves are a startup or a funded startup who are trying to solve a problem in logitech or education tech or health tech uh, and they are running at 150 yes. miles an hour uh, they are a startup okay. so they still have the frugal startup mentality of getting things done right but they have an enterprisey need for security especially if they are in health, health tech and all those things so that seems to be a sweet spot for us because even though they are not big enough the manage capabilities that we provide seems to be one of the most compelling features for this startup because they don't have the time and the bandwidth whereas a traditional company will have their own sock and in the, in the, so i think the number 2 i would say is uh, new age tech companies i would broadly categorize them as saas but doesn't have to be saas new age tech companies that is using technology yeah. to solve the traditional business much better Um, so uh, understand. That's, understand. That's, that's it. Yeah. Okay. And uh, what is the pricing for in this space? How would you describe it to people watching the yeah, podcast? So uh, we have a free forever product. Uh, so if somebody wants to get a risk okay. assessment done, uh, we have uh, free forever dollars. I mean, it's like you go to a doctor and I want to do my basic health check done. It's free. But the yes. moment you want to do a more specialized assessment in terms of uh my uh, blood test and sampling and do a more uh, deeper deeper assessment then we start with slightly higher incremental plan which is 59 dollars a month uh 
and then okay. you say okay it's just not enough to get a more deeper assessment done i want to have a program in place where on a consistent basis i'm healthy i have a dedicated uh, health uh, nutritionist i have a, a doctor who monitors me on an ongoing basis then we have a 99 dollar plan and then a complete plan with specialized specialized nutritionist um uh, specialized uh, checkups and everything it's a premium plan which is 399 yeah. and of course we also have an enterprise plan where you have multiple assets when you want to slice and dice and mix and match various plans uh, they come under the enterprise bucket but typically the enterprise buckets will be enterprises which have more than six applications that they want to start with that's when the enterprise plan okay. starts making more sense mm mm-hmm. that was a very good uh, analogy I love to know how competitive is your market and how you differentiate from the rest. The market I mean so honestly uh, we have not been a category creator in the sense but we have basically an existing category we have shown a better way of doing it. Right? So web application firewall, web application scanning, application security, penetration testing this has been there for 20 years. Right? They have been there for 20 years and we started this uh, yes. less than I mean half a decade back is when our first cloud based version product was launched the entire platform was launched in 2017 uh, but by bringing together all the pieces on an established category we showed that uh, when the category was becoming mainstream typical gartner hype cycle is goes through a uh, a trough of disillusionment and then it becomes uh, mainstream right So when it is getting mainstream, we actually showed uh, for a mass market adoption uh, by bringing together all this piece. Mm. We basically showed that this is category. This is probably a better way of doing things, um, and hence uh, we have been able to uh, to get a big chunk of. I wouldn't say the biggest chunk of the market, but whichever whoever comes to know us, we've been our win rate is very high. Uh, our challenge is how do we get more people to know about us? because the traditional 20 year old people still have the first mover advantage yeah. over an established brand uh but giving the message of how to do it better at a lower price point especially for new age startups uh is where our biggest challenge is more marketing and reach uh, and not product in terms of product market fit uh, and our right to win once the customer evaluates is well established <laughs> anderson uh, i saw you invested a lot in education in blog posts webinars podcast videos yeah. and uh, yeah, i understand when did you start the company exactly so the company the journey has been pretty uh, it's unique so the company in the current avatar on the aptrana platform is less than 6 years old uh, the cloud based model mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. before that in 2012 we had a mini exit i mean it was our first version of the product was nothing more than a malware scanner where we did uh, okay. assessment and we are doing uh, a malware scan and uh, uh the product market fit i won't say i mean in terms of adoption and everything was going on but we were actually bleeding a lot of money at that point of time um and uh, but the product was so good uh, and the customer testimonials were so good that we actually had uh, offer on the table to do an asset sale of the product to a large cyber security company a multi billion dollar cyber security company which wanted that uh, capabilities as part of their own uh, portfolio um, and that okay. ended up becoming our very high series a funding because what ended up happening was we sold the product we sold it i mean the team also went along with it uh, to the acquiring company uh, and we are sitting on this pile of cash which was small for the acquiring company but big enough for us as founders 
but not yes. big enough for us to say retire and uh, i mean we still had the energy to do something <laughs> so what we did yeah. was we learned from that first mistake on the first version and we said that this is what the market is looking like and now we don't have a problem of cash and other things so we paid ourselves a little bit and we put the majority of it rebuilding the entire capabilities rebuilding the entire product and our non compete with them was cool. just a couple of years and that is the amount of time it takes to actually build a new product and we decided on web application firewall because that category has been existence has been in existence for more than a decade but we said, we felt that cloud adoption was happening at the time new age companies were coming in at the time which were adopting cloud uh, and being able to take a cloud centric approach born in the cloud for the cloud approach could be our ability to get a right to win in the newer market as opposed to going and displacing existing people on an established category uh, so with that thought process and vision in mind it took us a good 3 to 4 years uh, after the non compete clause was over to rebuild the product rebuild the team get the product <laughs> right get the first few customers and we launched aptrana as a 100% cloud offering we don't do on premises we don't do on uh, we 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 were very clear that it has to be 100% and uh, that's so if you can say that our company is right now aptrana as a product and the company in its current avatar and our vision is 6 years old okay okay well thanks for telling us uh, as, as a registered and, entity we are uh, 12 year, 11 years old now uh, but uh, the mini exit and then rebuilding and then yeah. the first version and then that's uh, so in the current avatar it's uh, effectively 6 years old but how big was the team when you sold the, the company the product uh product day 0 0 per 2 people 3 people building the team to 10 when the exit happened to trend microid which was a 50% team uh then the okay, team okay. and we had started again from scratch uh in 2017 when we launched the version 1 we are a 50% company 50 to 60% company today we are 150 plus 160 plus of course uh we are front loading our investment i mean if you really look at our unit economics is fundamentally very strong right uh, but we are spending a lot of money most of them are tech people uh, number one spending is on tech number two spending is on marketing and number three is on sales okay <laughs> number four is on support and uh, 24 yeah. is on support and everything yeah okay so the uh, just understand better when you sold the the first product most of your team went to the bigger corporation yeah correct and how 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 big was the founding team of your uh, two three co-founders uh three co-founders that's it okay okay and Everybody then started building uh, and the back office team stayed back with us the finance the hr uh okay but the r&d team and the sales people stayed back with okay. us uh understand and and for the for this company you raised any funding or you just used your uh, no till your... 2020 we did not raise any funding so the exit that we had the sale of that asset sale of that became our series a fund to help okay, us to invest okay. back in the product so we were bootstrapped technically we are bootstrapped till 2020 um and in 2020 we raised uh, external round of fund from tata capital mm-hmm. uh, makes sense in the midst okay. of in the midst and the peak of covid uh we got a growth institution that put money so uh in the current climate people will be able to appreciate this uh we raised 5 million dollars of external capital and our arr okay. is 10 million so capital efficiency ratio is a new term so our arr mm-hmm. is two times more than total capital we have raised 
uh, it's exactly the opposite that you see in other $10 million ARR <laughs> company. They have raised $100 million or $90 million, uh, and they're still trying to figure out how do I uh, make money. And then, so we are very yeah. capital. Our, our problem is how do I take this foundation and keeping the same foundation, how do I make the journey from 10 to 100 and 100 to billion? Because the market is big enough to make the journey. And we are not crazy to do it too fast. But of course, we want to do it fast, but not just not speed just for the sake of speed. Keeping those business fundamentals in place is how we want to grow. And our investors is also very well aligned with the thought process. CAC payback is probably one of yep. the key metrics that we look at, uh, which balances <laughs> the growth with the front loading and cost and minimizing the risk metric that we look at as we grow. I understand. Thank you so much for sharing. Uh, this is uh, this is super cool. I, yeah. I really appreciate it. So yeah. you're in a good position <laughs> with that uh, yeah. ratio. So uh, you said that your biggest challenge is still uh, education, marketing, sales, right? I'm personally moving to the US uh, yeah. to, uh, to, to build the enterprise uh, uh, acquisition program in the US. So nice. again, uh, go there, study, do, do those 10, 15, 20 events correct do the entire end-to-end -end customer delight properly and then build on it. It's okay if you don't get 300% growth. It's okay to have 70, 80% growth and 20% EBITDA. That's probably not a bad space to be in. Yeah. Uh, because the market uh, is not going anywhere. The security is, it's not like I'm in a hurry to do it tomorrow. It's not like the window opportunity is going to go away. We keep innovating yeah, and we, that, that opportunity correct. is going to be there for us. What did you say was your biggest mistake that you did? Biggest mistake, I uh, sometimes I put the horse, uh, what is it called, putting the cart before the horse, uh, mm -hmm. especially in sales and marketing. Uh, so my number one mistake was we were tech and sales driven. Uh, so when we went and embarked on this journey of uh, marketing and getting international wins, um, we thought that because we are getting large banks and customers here, I could just replicate this in the US uh, ended up hiring an enterprise sales team and uh, in the US, uh, we didn't have a brand, we didn't have regional references mm. at the time. Uh, I wouldn't say it was completely a mistake, it was wrong timing and we did not have the appetite to sustain that mistakes to make it work. So hence, in hindsight, I can now say it's a mistake because just because I have product market fit and enterprise wins in India, doesn't mean I'm going to get it right <laughs> in US. I, yeah. I could not get it right in US in the shorter window of time expected because uh, the amount of money I had to keep pumping in was something I couldn't sustain at the level that we are in. So that was a very big mistake in terms of just assuming that it works here means I just replicate it there. It's going to work there, but the cost structure, the brand, the referenceability was different. So it's a very big The second biggest mistake I made was this entire concept of specialization in the funnel metrics. So as founders, you are hustlers, right? You end up doing everything. The first 10 customers, the first 20 customers, hustling works. But the moment you go from 20 to 100, hustling works to an extent and you build the team. But then the moment they went from beyond 100, whatever was the capabilities and the hustling skills in terms of, yes, I get a lead, I uh, follow up. I was the one who was actually doing picking up the lead, following up with emails, closing the sales, doing the pre-sales, and then winning the customer oh. and some, some essence customer support too, right? Uh, but then I realized that now it's all about structures and specialization. What you have in top of the funnel, you need a specialized team. Middle of the funnel in terms of sales development reps, you need a specialized team. 
hunters and farmers in terms of sales, account execs, you need a specialized team, and then customer success management. So we evolved from being a one person do it all, which is what typically founders do, to yes. then having a very small, lean, mean team doing everything across the funnel, to now saying that, oh my God, this is not working because uh, salespeople, they are not wired to a 90% rejection. I get 100 leads, inbound leads, it's still inbound, but 90 of them will not move immediately. It will move later on. There is an interest, right? Yes. So salespeople cannot be doing that because their brains are not wired to be efficient in that thing. So we need an SDR set up there. Salespeople need to work on, once a qualified opportunity comes, do a stellar demo, show the product capabilities, show the competitive metrics, show the pricing, do all those things. And then finally, after that, customer success is not about just upselling. It is all about customer product usage. So again, a salesperson mentality doesn't work there because he's just going to look at upsell, upsell, upsell. Customer yes. success to some extent is anti-portal to a sales thinking because to sometimes you have to go ahead and tell the customers, you are paying me $100, but you can do these things and you have to pay me only $80. That's fine because you're increasing your retention. Uh, your churn <laughs> goes down and that increases yes. the value. Right? So we set up a set. So yes. these are all things. I, I mean, if I start counting my mistakes, I can have a separate call around that. But broadly, <laughs> uh, putting yeah. the cart before the horse in terms of sales setup in a new region. And secondly, uh, uh, funnel metric specialization, uh, a specialized team, especially as we matured beyond 100, uh, where two things, if in hindsight, I can go to a little bit better. And in fact, I do spend a lot of my time advising startups and I make sure they don't repeat those mistakes and make their own newer sets of mistakes and not the ones I made. Thank you so much for sharing. I really appreciate the yeah. transparency and I, I really like your mindset. And now on, more on the personal side, please tell us how you started your career. What is your, your story? Uh, my, I mean, so uh, I'm from a different generation, probably I passed out in the 90s, uh, early 90s, uh, uh, mid 90s is when I graduated. Um, I did uh, have an entrepreneurial streak immediately after I graduated. Um, mm -hmm. um, uh, I was based in India at the time and uh, I did have a few uh, uh, startups and software products going on and actually it was doing reasonably well. But Uncle Sam called me and the power of the dollar and the dollar multiplied by the rupee value at the time was uh, very attractive enough for me to fall prey to it. And I, um, I just couldn't imagine making that kind of money uh, even if my business, business had done. So I, was, I, I took the plunge and of course uh, going to a new city, new country was a different, uh, uh, different experience by itself. I'm very young, right, in 20s. So uh, I moved to the US and Canada in 94, 95. Uh, I worked there for 12 years uh, and then uh, uh, in that uh, period I saw the dot-com boom, the internet craze, all of that happening, right? 94, 95 was in Coral, Coral which is a graphics yes. company, then I moved to Cognos, uh, then I saw Netscape and I, and I think the startup ecosystem was getting onto me and then for, I was fortunate enough that even in this my corporate life I was solving day zero problems uh, new launching a new product. Uh, I was one of the few people who moved from engineering into sales. Uh, so okay. uh, I um, hardcore hunting sales. So I was an account exec. So my uh, as a techie, sales people used to love me because I understood sales. And as a sales guy, techie tech people loved me. Even though I was not the best of both worlds, the other function used to love me more. Um, so I moved back to India to set up the APAC business for the corporate uh, uh, cybersecurity company in North America. 
okay. and that's when i met ashish uh, my co-founder and uh, we we said that uh, venki I, i had not worked in india much before that uh, he said you have the product knowledge i have the india knowledge uh, so why don't we partner and uh, and it was an overnight decision and we uh, we jumped into it and it's been it's been amazing journey it's it's i mean ideas are diamond doesn't sometimes it's about whom you work with the kind of ecosystem you create and that is important for you to sustain it right so uh, and staying the course we have been able to stay the course in spite of many many crises we have gone through it but gone through it together and uh, have a sense of fun while doing that <laughs> that's a wonderful story thank you for sharing what yeah. would you say was your biggest learning your biggest piece of advice that you can share with a starting founder um so first thing is i would say uh, uh, this entire notion of founders uh, uh, founders thinking that they have this billion dollar idea there is no such thing <laughs> as a billion dollar idea right idea so i think when you look at an idea the idea gives you a tingle or it gives you a spark that's about it uh so so i tell anybody starting up there is no i mean you and me sit uh, christian in 100 minutes we can come up with 100 ideas every problem that we see around us is an opportunity yes right uh so don't wait for the perfect idea if the idea gives you a spark then it's it exciting enough but before taking the plunge especially i would one piece if you want to have a framework in place make sure that you are taking solving a problem in a large enough market is a total addressable market big enough there is no point in solving a problem which is very of course there's nothing wrong in it again it depends on goals you want right yeah. if your goal yes, is to make yes. a big and a brand if it's a big enough market um then then it's exciting and especially you want to do a fundraise and other things so i think uh, ideas are dime a dozen if it gives a tingle but the second thing i would ask them is try to do some value even if it's a category creating market there is no precedence of the category you can still come up with some sort of a market sizing in terms of some proxy yes. indicators to know what can be the market sizing so i would look at uh, the second thing is instead of taking the blind plunge also do a little bit of scientific study in terms of how big can the market be and is it uh, connecting it's not just money is it connecting to your goals like it's it's not just money it's a lot of money right and the money is an indicator of the brands you are building uh, and hence the market sizing becomes very 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 important so i think those are the two piece of advice i will give third piece i would probably say is uh, never lose your uh, sense of having fun right it's it's, it's yeah, if, 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 you, if you stop having fun then that's it then might as well do something else uh you, you especially the founding team you should be able to have respect for each other and have fun in spite of many 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 conflicts that will keep happening day in and day out yeah right. i really i really appreciate that yeah <laughs> i have yeah. Uh, one last question for you what's your favorite saas product that you use what's my favorite saas product i use yes oh, of course aptrano for our own website <laughs> that's my favorite But, of course besides besides my own product um we use market automation softwares uh, especially when i told you the story about our journey from uh, being sales driven and hustling to now becoming a more uh, structured process driven company uh, so market automation was something that i did not know ab testing all those things so i think right now my team is using hubspot uh, i used a product called lead square but we we are now using hubspot so i would say HubSpot and Zoho. These are my two favorite SaaS products. Zoho for my sales automation. Uh, 
HubSpot, I don't think I can claim it because I have personally not used it because my new team is championing the cause and they are saying, oh, I can do yeah. this, I can do this, <laughs> I can do all this reporting, so that's fine. So I, I believe them. I personally have not used it. For me, it is Zoho. Zoho is my Thank number so one. For, uh, product, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining the podcast. It is fantastic. And I'm super yeah. happy to, to have you. Is there anything else that you want to, to say today on the podcast? Well, I think that's it. Uh, we covered it probably all. That's, thanks for hosting me. It was fun. Thank you so much. <laughs>